Welcome to the second season of the Gutsy Health Podcast with Shanique Roney and Gina Warfel, where we share uncomplicated, practical, and affordable wellness education so you can be a self-healing champion. This episode is brought to you by the Gutsy Health Membership Program, a program that gives you inexpensive tools and resources to heal your mind, body, and soul. Visit our website at mygutsyhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Many of you know my story. I've spoken a ton about mental health, PTSD, trauma. I've spoken a lot about my own PTSD and trauma with the passing of my late husband, Tristan, who was a co-host of this podcast and giving you guys little bits of my story of how plant medicine has helped me tremendously. Ketamine therapy has helped me tremendously through this. And so I'm going to start dripping on guests to open up this conversation very delicately about this world of psychedelic medicine that is really helping to transform mental health in this world. And so my guest today, his name is Jonathan Sabag, and he has his own story of PTSD and trauma. And he has this amazing model of getting psychedelic therapies to the people through practitioners. And so Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Please let our listeners know who you are, what your story is, and this thing that you have created to really help this work. Because the mental health crisis in this world, ever since COVID, I think we've had this mental health crisis for a long time. It's been bubbling, 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 like pressure in a volcano. And COVID just like blew off the top and there's dysfunction and dysregulation globally and we're losing our mind. But thank heaven that we're having these very powerful tools come to the surface. And you're kind of a pioneer in that and bringing that to more people. So welcome to the podcast. Please tell everyone who you are and your story. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here to share a little bit about what my story and journey was using these treatments and what we're building at Journey Clinical. Just to give you a little bit of my background. I'm Swiss, actually. I spent the first 20 years of my life working in finance. I built two businesses from the ground. When I was building that first company, I actually suffered a very, very substantial burnout. At the time, I really didn't quite understand what was going on. And I was really suffering with depression and anxiety and substance abuse for most of my adult life, really. And when that event happened, I just couldn't get out of bed. One morning, I was completely out of commission for months on end. Finally, I actually found a psychiatrist in Switzerland who worked with me, who helped me a lot with traditional medication. Actually, those medications saved my life and built a therapeutic alliance with me and started to uncover what was going on. And eventually I moved to New York and I sort of went back a little bit on a downward spiral. And it was apparent that I hadn't really addressed all of these issues. And after a while, a friend of mine said, look, why don't you try ayahuasca? And at the end of the road, I was willing to try anything. And so I decided to go and have my first ayahuasca ceremony. And that was very transformative. It was a very big deal. I did seven in a row. I've done third. What? Holy cow. It is brutal. It's very transformative and it's extremely intense. I've done Aya before. It was one of the first psychedelic therapies I ever did. This is before my husband died and it blew me open in a very uncomfortable way. And so you did seven back to back. I did 
seven back to back, and then I'd done yeah, 40 okay. plus since the past eight years. And it was well, very powerful. I think it really deconstructed everything and showed me a lot of these inner dynamics that were very troubling. But after yeah. a while, what started to happen, and really by no fault of the facilitators or the circle, is that I just found myself in a loop, not being able to process the information that I was getting. And so I started to work with a therapist here in New York, I won't name, but who is really a rock star. And we started to do ketamine-assisted psychotherapy together, but also he became my analyst. And after a while, he finally diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder from childhood trauma. And through really years of work, we were able to, I think, I can comfortably say mostly cure my PTSD and that's really a tremendous deal. I also want to profess that there are psychedelics involved in this, but this therapy, the therapeutic alliance with my therapist, I'm a yogi, I meditate, I started jujitsu recently. So these are tools. Mm -hmm right? And these are tools to be used in a certain context with support and they're not a panacea. I always want to make sure that's clear and that's definitely my perspective. Can I go back to the Aya? Because yeah. I left Transformed You, but was there any integration? As people are exploring this world, I feel like people are jumping from medicine and they're not integrating or they're not practicing. And that's where you can actually find therapists to help you with that. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit and your experience and what you would caution people with? For sure. I think that there's a lot of really, really amazing underground people out there that do really like what is a public service. I think they don't make a lot of money out of this and they hold space very well, some of them. And they're equipped to deliver what is a traditional medicine in a context where probably normally you've got a shaman who knows the family of these people, who has family history. And so it's ongoing work. But here, when it's either a one-off or even just for the ceremony, integration is a little bit difficult, right? You do have some integration circles where people go and they talk about their experience, but you're not really getting into the weeds of what's going on there. And so I definitely experienced the lack of ability to integrate the experience without having help. That was a huge blocker for me. And so eventually that's why I seeked out to find a psychedelically informed therapist who could help me work with this. So I know we're going to get to this eventually. How do people find a psychedelic informed therapist? Because there's not many of them. This is just a new budding world. Definitely. I mean, there are people who are trained, people who go to the various training centers. It's growing in popularity. So we have a whole network of 700 people in our network that are psychedelically informed and it's growing every day. So there are more and more access to that. The other thing is that working with licensed mental health professional does make a difference because a lot of the tools that they have learned in school and their training are completely applicable to psychedelic, right? And psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So things like internal family system or CBT or harm reduction all work very, very well with psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So tell me how you then started Journey Clinical. What brought you into this realm? While I was doing this psychedelic journey, I actually felt disconnected with the work I was doing in finance. And so I decided to quit finance and go back to school to study clinical psychology. And so I went to school here in New York. I was actually, hadn't finished high school. And so at the age of 38, I did my GEG. And then I went to the new school here and started as a bachelor in psychology. That's crazy. And just shows your dedication. I would have never done that. I would have been like, just hire a therapist to help me do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, let me be the therapist. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because one of my good friends, uh, who's also an advisor of ours, uh, Ingmar Gorman, who works on the MAP studies and has a training company 
company called Fluence. He said that as a psychedelic therapist, one of the biggest jobs could be a placement agency for people changing their careers. And actually, it's pretty interesting. If you look at therapists, they're often second careers for people. So they go and they have an awakening dealt with their own problems, and then they sort of feel the call to help. So they're really an amazing population of people. And so I was in school, and after a while, I really wanted to bring together all of that experience that I had as an entrepreneur with my goal of bringing these treatments responsibly to the world. And that's how I decided to found Journey. I think it's a common theme in our work in general that eventually we are who we are. And so we simply shift our perspective on who we are. I think that's the opportunity, paradigm shift in our own perspective of who we are and loving who we are. And so that was really how I came to doing that. When we looked at the industry and we looked at the landscape, what we really felt, and we're not alone in this, was that doing this safely within a container was super important. And so our thesis was that empowering licensed mental health professionals, so that psychologists, LMFTs, LCSWs, there's so many acronyms that exist out there, to incorporate these treatments in their practice as an adjunct to therapy. Very much one would EMDR was the safest and most efficacious way to do that. And the reason why actually is because they're already embedded in local communities and they already have a relationship with the patient population. And it's important to note that while there's about 50 million people in this country that, that are eligible for these treatments, there's also 40 million people in therapy today. It's a huge population, right, who are really in need of help. And for the past 50 years, there's been no change in the way mental health is delivered, right? They go to a therapist, they have a disjointed relationship with a prescriber, there's no collaboration, and it just hasn't changed. And so psychedelics are that first paradigm shift that's happened in 50 years. And so it's really important to us as a mission as a company to support that. So I want you to shed some light on the crisis that we're actually having. How bad is it? I know it's bad. I've heard numbers being thrown around. I'm curious as to what numbers you are familiar with and just enlighten listeners because you can see it, you can feel it. It's like palpable in the air. Like everyone is very dysregulated. I see it in my clinic. Mental health issues, stress issues, they manifest as physical diseases. And so I joke and I say, I'm never going to go out of business because people are getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then when they sit in my office in front of me, I can immediately tell they're so dysregulated. They're in PTSD mode. And we're talking like not capital T traumas, but like lowercase t traumas that people aren't even cognizant, right? So how bad is this epidemic? I think that the main health crisis in the world today is mental health. It's not obesity. It's not cancer. It's mental health. It's the number one cost to the economy. It's the number one med crisis that we're having. One in three Americans suffers from anxiety and depression. It's huge. I think that also COVID obviously drove that higher. But also, I think that, quite frankly, it's not something we spoke about as much in earlier generations. I remember my parents wouldn't dare say that they were depressed or it was shameful to go see a therapist. And so that's changed and that's great. But we are looking at an epidemic. We're also living very stressful lives and have various stressors that we can't control. And so it makes sense that people need help. It's interesting because I was kind of doing inventory of the chores that my kids need 
do every day. They need to brush their teeth. They need to eat their healthy breakfast, drink their green smoothie, take their supplements, do their reading, practice piano. And I'm working on my own nervous system regulation. And my son, he's so dysregulated just because of our history and my husband dying and whatnot. And he's so connected to me. And so I'm like, why am I not putting on his to-do list like meditation, grounding, regulation? Why am I not prioritizing this? And I think this is something like we're in such a big crisis. We have to change. We have to make this a core foundation into our children's lives. We have to integrate this now, right? Teach your kids from young. Monkey see, monkey do. Let them see you meditating. Mom, why are you meditating? Mom, why are you going for a walk? Why are you doing self-care? And then make that part of their chores too. They might hate you, but you know what? Like this time is meditation time. And I don't care if it's uncomfortable, right? But that's why we're in this crisis is because we need to prioritize our mental health and we just keep pushing it down. So tell me what exactly is Journey Clinical, how it works. Yeah, for sure. So what we identified was that these therapists are the best path to do it because they're embedded in local communities. They have a relationship with the patient population. But more importantly, what they have is a therapeutic alliance with those patients, which takes a long time to build, right? right? And so in our perspective, that is the safest and most efficacious container to deliver these treatments and promote long-term behavioral changes. Is it just ketamine? What other treatments are they? The reason why it's just ketamine right now is because we only work with FDA-approved drugs. There are Ketamine is an FDA-approved drug since 1970. It's actually a dissociative anesthetic that is on the WHO's list of 10 most used as drugs in the world. It's very common. And since the 90s, actually in Russia, a guy called Evgeny Krupitsky started using it to treat alcohol addiction. And then it was brought here to the US. It's used regularly in ERs. People are highly suicidal. They'll give you an injection of ketamine. And it's got very strong antidepressant effects. The high level thesis of it is that there's a theory called the glutamate theory of depression. If the glutamate is poorly regulated in your central nervous system, it actually seems to be a physiological cause of depression. And so ketamine actually is an antagonist to a neuroreceptor called NMDA. And so what antagonism means is that basically it's kind of like a lock, right? It acts like a key and a lock. And so that re-regulates that. So it's very effective. Uh, You get people who are resistant to treatment, who become respondent within 24 hours. It's very, very strong. But there's also a dissociative aspect, which is the psychedelic aspect where it can be very cathartic and people are having psychedelic experiences. The other drugs that are coming down the line are probably first MDMA. So MAPS are spearheading that and it's MDMA assisted psychotherapy. So very much the model I'm describing to you. And that's going to be for post-traumatic stress disorder. They got breakthrough status from the FDA from that treatment. And then we're about probably two years out for that. And then psilocybin, which are the active components of magic mushrooms. And that's going to be mostly for depression. We're about three to four years out for those treatments to be FDA approved. And then on top of that, I'm sure you've heard of multiple companies popping up that are developing novel compounds. So we don't really know what are going to be the dominant psychedelics, but in all likelihood, it'll be a variety of potential treatments for different conditions that will be usable quite flexibly in that way. Very cool. And so walk me through the journey clinical. So I'm a therapist, I have clientele, and I want to incorporate ketamine therapy. How does that work? Do I have to go get MAPS trained or do you guys provide all of this backbone? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we looked at what was the barrier to entry for therapists to be able to incorporate these treatments in their practice as an adjunct to therapy, what really came out, we did a survey with 600 therapists, is that forming 
and maintaining relationships with prescribing physicians or nurse practitioners. It's really hard. There's only 25,000 psychiatrists in America. They're mostly located in large cities. There's a similar shortage of psychiatric nurse practitioners. And so when they have these relationships, they're quite fickle and they cost a lot of money on the patients or limit the revenue potential for the therapist. And so what's going on right now is that they mostly refer out and they refer out to a clinic or to a direct-to-consumer platform. And you understand therapy, you know how hard it is to find a therapist that you like and then yes. you get comfortable. It takes time, right? It's like dating. And so all of a sudden you're being asked to have what maybe is the most cathartic experience of your life with someone you never met or an app. And that's just really not great, right? And so just to frame a little bit what we're building at Journey Clinical is we're not an online ketamine clinic. We're actually building infrastructure to enable psychedelic assisted psychotherapy to exist. And it cannot exist without this infrastructure. And so just to walk you through the way it works is that let's say you're a licensed mental health professional. You've got patients who are interested in doing ketamine-assisted psychotherapy because that's what we're starting with. And you don't know how to do it. Well, you come to Journey, you become a member, you refer your patients to us. We have a whole in-house medical team. So we are the doctor. The medical team will see your patients for a one-hour intake. If the patient is eligible, we'll send that patient enough sublingual ketamine through the mail, enough for two sessions. Those sessions will be done with the therapist. We only work with patients who are in a therapeutic alliance. They'll do the ketamine-assisted therapy with their original therapist. Exactly. That's the point. This is all clicking together. That's brilliant. So you guys are the prescriber, right? We're the prescriber. Yeah. We're actually a little more than that. It's like, because what we support is a collaborative care model, right? And that's really important to understand. A collaborative care model, it means that we're not simply prescribing ketamine. We're actually actively working with the therapist to understand what is the best course of treatment for the patient. So we don't have, for example, a fixed course of treatment. We don't tell patients, you're going to do six ketamine sessions and you're going to renew for six ketamine sessions. They come in for two sessions, they come back for an adjustment, and we see them regularly for follow-up consultations. But it's a collaboration between our medical team. We're all psychedelically informed and all trained. They're from MAPS. It's really strong. We have a 30-person team. And they work with the therapist to build essentially bespoke treatment plans. And what's really amazing with the collaborative care model, first of all, it really mitigates negative outcomes. So people have hard experiences. They can be really difficult, especially if you're highly traumatized. The number one call is 911 if there's a problem. But what we do is that we directly liaise. We have a 24-7 service for the therapist. We have emergency numbers with the therapist directly. And they can call us. The patient can call us. We have that tripartite relationship. We triangulate. We follow up. We assess what's going on with the patient. And we support the therapist and the patient to make that experience into something positive and move on. And we've really done that successfully over and over again. We've seen more than 1,400 patients today. The other thing is that we're their in-house doctor. So the other part of the collaborative care model that we do, as I was saying, you're able to essentially collaborate with someone who probably has the best insights than anybody else on the mental health of that patient, right? You're seeing that patient every week. You're having conversations. They're aware of their trauma, of their problems. And so those insights are shared with our medical team and vice versa. And so basically what we're able to do is build concierge mental health at scale, bringing up the standard of care while allowing these therapists to remain independent. So they're getting access to essentially a service that they would need to work for a large hospital system to get to. 
So with the therapist, do you guys kind of train them a little bit on, they become like psychedelic therapy, like informed and yeah. will they expect. And so they're not doing therapy while the person is taking the ketamine. Their client is taking the ketamine and then they're going to their therapist to unpack it. Is that correct? Not entirely. So the model that we support, is very similar to what MAPS do and Compass Pathways do, where essentially they're doing preparation sessions, mm -hmm. dosing sessions, and integration sessions. So we only work with patients who are in a therapeutic line with our therapist. And we have a whole training. I'll walk you through our whole platform because there's a whole bunch of support for the therapist and training that they have to take to be able to do this on our portal. But essentially, it's really important, right? And I don't know how familiar your listeners are to what preparation, dosing, integration is, but it's really important to understand that, right? So a lot of people think of preparation like, oh, I'm just going to do intention setting for my experience and I'm going to write down my intentions and that's going to be what I'm going to work on on my journey. And that's actually mostly what not what happens. Actually, a lot of people go into these experiences with a tremendous amount of transference on what the medicine, this literal transference to the medicine is going to provide them expecting giant breakthrough experience. And so that becomes the whole trip of them being like, oh, I'm not managing to break through. I'm not doing well in this. I'm failing in my psychedelic experience and I'm failing. And so there's a whole narrative that can be created. And actually what preparation really is, especially for the those who are getting started is that it's actually managing expectations towards bringing mindful attention to what that experience is going to be and sitting with that experience for what it is because you are altered, you are having a psychedelic experience and what is coming up is very useful material, right? And so a large part of that is working with someone who's psychedelically informed to be able to prepare you for that experience. Then comes the dosing session and the dosing session, we have six protocols right now that range from at home. I want to caveat what we do at home. It's not we're sending the patient the ketamine at home. They're just doing it and they're coming back to talk about it with a therapist. That's not how we do it. They have to be in a relationship with a therapist. They have to do preparation sessions. The therapist has to vet a chaperone who's there. And why is it important to vet a chaperone? Because maybe you're having an argument with your spouse and they're in the other room and you really don't want them walking in to the room while you're having a psychedelic experience or your dog or your kids. And so that's really important. The therapist checks in with the patient before, checks in after, and does integration work. But we also have in-person work. We have remote work. We have group cap. That's very frequent. We have therapists doing retreat models. And the reason why we've built this, and we keep rolling out new protocols, and the reason why is because not everybody needs the same experience. Not every therapist wants to deliver the same experience. And actually, at times, same patient with the same therapist wants to start in one format and evolve to another. And so giving flexibility to our model gives the therapist the flexibility they need to build their practice. So that's really, really important. And that's how it's done. In terms of training and what happens, so everything we do is tech-enabled. We're actually a health tech company. And so we have a portal for our prescribers, which is basically similar to what an electronic health records system is. I don't know how much people are aware of that, but it's where all the prescription happens and all the patient data goes. And we take measures and all those measures are stored in notes and all that. And then we have a therapist portal. And on our therapist portal, we have 22-module training designed by a company called Fluence, which is a training on ketamine-assisted therapy. We've got another, I think it's another 22 modules on preparation integration. We have peer consultation groups done by journey members for other journey members. They can do a CAP experiential through us with other journey members. We have a lot of resources. There's a lot of community dynamics that go on. And I really would underscore that it's very important because being a therapist is kind of lonely. Like it's a lonely job, even if you're working for a large 
group practice, maybe mostly on Zoom all day with people one-on-one. And so having a network of peers who are cap-informed and who can help you and support you is really important. So we put a lot of emphasis on that. We offer them library of resources. We give them legal documents. We help them with marketing it. There's a whole slew of services that exist on our platform for the therapist. And then there's the patient portal. And then all that is HIPAA compliant. It's all past portal. They can track their patient's progress through there. They can talk to the prescribers through the portal. So it's kind of like essentially what we are for our therapist is their hub for collaborative care. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. And so if someone wants to do psychedelic assisted therapy, could people go to journeyclinical.com and find a therapist and work with the therapist that is integrated in your network? A hundred percent. So like I said, we have 700 plus therapists in our network located in seven states. And so they simply go on our our website. They sign up to be matched. They have a few forms to do. They do an intake. And while they do the intake, we match them with one of our therapists. We do it quite often. And so they have now access to a whole network of really amazing cap-informed, cap-trained therapists who can deliver this treatment with them safely. We also have patients who come and who refer their therapists to us because they want to do it with their therapist. That's amazing. So you guys take on therapists. Let's say I was just like therapist. I was like, man, I really want to help people with ketamine. But what I understood was that you have to go and get MAPS trained in order to do that, in order to do ketamine-assisted therapy. But what you're saying is like, nope, we have the infrastructure to train you and it's all MAPS kosher, basically. Let's be extremely clear about what MAPS train means and MAPS kosher and what MAPS oversees. First of all, it's unclear what the risk and mitigation strategies are going to be for MDMA-assisted psychotherapy from an FDA standpoint. And so we don't know if training is going to be a requirement or not. That being said, MAPS has developed the training for MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. It's unrelated to ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, although there's a pretty large overlap essentially in the format because there's only so much you can innovate. But it's very focused on PTSD. It's longer. There are certain requirements for MAPS. Two therapists need to be in the room. It's just quite different. Also, they're in clinical trials. Ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, it's more separate. Also, the requirements are a little bit lower, but they do get everything they need in the training and offerings that we get to get started. We've got a lot of therapists who started from being novices to becoming very successful cap providers. So let me ask you a question about all these ketamine clinics that are coming up. I tried to start a ketamine clinic. I eventually stopped. I was like, this is too much work. I got my clinic. I'll just do this and find a good clinic nearby to refer to. But I feel like a lot of these ketamine clinics are just these cash cows of people coming in, getting hooked up. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about that? Because I just feel like going in to get ketamine and there's no integration, there's no support. And this is a very powerful tool that's taking you into parts of yourself that you don't really understand or recognize or realize. And then there's just nothing. There's no education around it. Nothing. The person that's babysitting you is your friend or your husband or your wife or a child that knows nothing about this kind of stuff. That's my opinion. What is your opinion about? I think so. There's a lot of that. There's burgeoning sort of like group of people that thought that this was a good way to make money and just really focused on sort of neurological impact that I described on ketamine and completely discard the psychedelic effect. And so you're right, someone's sitting in that chair having an ego death and they just don't know what to do with it. There are people who are doing this well. I have a friend called Nico here in New York who's got a clinic called Ember Health. They're very good. They bring in therapists. They work well. So there are some good people out there who are informed about this need and built it into their model. But there are a lot of clinics who are simply charging you a fee for infusions. I mean, the one thing that's encouraging is that it works, right? It really does help reduce anxiety, depression, and suicidality. What it does 
doesn't do if you don't have follow-up and integration and preparation is support long-term behavioral change. And so that's what we believe is the way to go. Yeah, I believe that too. So what should people be looking for? I know this is kind of deviating from Journey Clinical, but one, obviously they should be looking for a therapist that can help you with this. But when it comes to ketamine clinics, they obviously want to find ketamine therapy assisted or CAPS trained or something like that, correct? Yeah. I mean, what we honestly think is that it shouldn't be disjointed, right? Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be done with a third-party clinic that is not integrating your therapy, right? To me, one of the biggest benefits that I found of working with an analyst that was informed and that was incorporating that in our treatment on a regular basis was that basically it was part of our therapy, right? We're like, oh, this is coming up and I'm really feeling that. And like, we're like, hey, maybe like, let's have a ketamine session and let's work on that because there's an ongoing model of care. We're bringing in a tool that's helping us unlock something that I might have been blocked on. We get so many amazing testimonials from our members saying, I had patients that were blocked for years years on this. And something I want to call out is that therapist burnout's a real thing. Like people working with patients who are not managing progress for years and years and years and having this kind of tool to be able to work together is tremendous. And so I'm not answering your question directly because I think that being able to have a therapist that works with you regularly and that's informed, that brings that into their practice, to me, that's best practice. Absolutely. Can you explain to people when they're looking for a therapist, you're talking about that breakthrough with ketamine. I'll try and explain it from a way that I can, but I just feel like people are, like you said, the breakthroughs. Medicine can help you see it from a different angle. Is that correct? How would you explain that? People that are here and they're like, well, no, I actually like my therapist, even though I've been going to them for years. How can you explain to them what ketamine is actually doing to them to help them make those breakthroughs? Yeah. I mean, all psychedelics work differently. Ketamine is not traditional psychedelic per se. So it's a little more dissociative as an experience. Here's what I found. I found that when I was in CAP, I was able to work on a lot of the material that I was working on in therapy with my therapist. What psychedelics do are defense lowering mechanisms, right? It's a non-specific amplifier that lowers your defenses. And for those who don't know what defenses are, they're the best you've got when you're a child to respond to a traumatic situation, right? So if you're being traumatized, if you're having an event or your home life is difficult, at some point, it's the best you have. You've got to develop a defense mechanism that's going to allow you to cope with that event. You just can't access your heart anymore because you're protecting yeah. it. And we almost forget, like, I love that you said it lowers your defense mechanism. Can I give an example? This relationship that I was trying to heal and I remember I was going to talk therapy and she's like, it's like, just forgive, just love, like write a letter. And I'm like, I cerebrally know that, but I can't feel it in my heart. And like you said, it lowers that defense. It brings that heart wall down. And then it's like, oh, I can access that part of me that I forgot years and years and years ago, right? Like, okay, now I can like go back in time and bring that feeling state in, the feeling state that I haven't felt in years and years. And now it's in the room. And now I can write that letter. And now I can be in that state of forgiveness. And now I can be in that state of let move on. So I love that you explained it that way. Keep going. I apologize for interrupting. Oh, no, no. That's, I love that you said that. So true. If you use like an IFS framework a little bit, I don't know if people are familiar with internal family systems. 
systems, but it's a good approach to working with psychedelics. What's described here is that you've got an internal system that is composed of managers, firefighters, and exiles, and yourself, which is basically your consciousness. And so the thesis here is that at some point in your early life, it was so traumatic that your consciousness got knocked out of the leadership seat. And you then had all these other parts that started to take control to protect you. And what that does is that you have sort of like these child personas in you that are the exiles and they become active, right? They become active, these childlike personas. And then you have these firefighters who do everything they can to bring them back into exile and soothe them. And they're led by the managers who are running all that. And what that can look like is really destructive behaviors when you're at a later part of your life, right? It could be substance abuse, it could be overworking, it could be sex addictions, it could be a lot of stuff, right? It's sabotage, a lot of stuff. I think sabotage is actually a dicey word because it puts a lot of responsibility on ourselves to say, oh, I'm sabotaging my life. But you're just basically trying to do what you did best. What you had was your best response when that happened. And so those parts become polarized between each other. Those are the defenses, right? And so essentially psychedelics lower the defenses and they allow for a cathartic experience where you can be your own father or mother or care for yourself. You can also create a relationship and a dialogue between those parts and create harmony. And these parts usually tend to want to harmonize. It's really interesting. I really encourage you if you have a good speaker on IFS to talk about it. It's really great. And so that's, I think, the opportunity with psychedelics to work on lowering your defenses, on feeling that pain, on forgiving yourself, on forgiving those who caused you harm, on recognizing that you caused harm to others. And then also remembering that the story's over, right? That's it. At some point, you accept that's no longer your story, but it takes work. And it took me years of work, not just psychedelics. It took me psychedelics, psychotherapy, yoga, meditation. It's like you put work into something that's been defining you for so many years. This has been fascinating. I hope listeners that are on a, a healing journey and they are plateauing and they're dealing with all the things that you mentioned and PTSD trauma. And again, it doesn't have to be capital T trauma. It can be baby T trauma, right? Like, I hope you guys can open your mind to utilizing ketamine, finding a therapist. The website is journeyclinical.com. Is that correct? That's correct. If you're looking for a therapist to work with, look for one through journeyclinical.com. If you are a therapist that wants to get into this work because you're just seeing that your clients are plateauing, they're not really breaking ceilings with their work, look into this work because I've used ketamine myself and it saved my life. That's so much so. And I saw how it's changed people's lives so much that I wanted to create my own clinic with it. And so look into this, research ketamine, maybe consider it, but doing it the right way, not just getting hooked up and being like, oh, all the work is done. Have someone help you with the before, the during, and the after with all the integration. Integration is just so, so important because you can do the therapy. What are you doing around the therapy? What are you doing? What are you changing in your life to maintain that treatment and that feeling state? So Jonathan, thank you so much for creating thank such you. a company that is going to help change the world. I really do think that all thank these you. psychedelics, like when MDMA hits, when psilocybin hits and people can do that in clinical settings, it's going to change the face of mental health and therapy. And so I'm excited for our future. I think one thing I can add just for people who are 
doing these treatments and it's something maybe they can hold and carry is that we often think that we have to excise parts of ourselves to get better like this has to go and it's not it's a journey of forgiveness and love and just accepting yourself just as you are and being with yourself and it's really awesome actually that's the answer <laughs> the answer is just that you're perfect you're perfect thank yeah. you john i will end soon guys i promise but it triggers my own healing process because with all my mentors that i work with i always use the language like i need to get rid of this feeling and they're like maybe you just need to sit with the feeling maybe you just need to like be with the feeling right and so all the feelings matter like the whole spectrum like the sadness the loneliness the disgust like it all just wants to be seen and it's all part of the perfect plan of healing they all play a beautiful role right and so i love that you ended with that because you're perfect whatever you're experiencing now it's perfect and it's a guide and they're all healers all of them so thank you listeners thank, thank you, you so much for tuning in today and just a reminder if you want to stand a chance to win a free hair analysis from Provo Health make sure you rate and leave a comment a review about the podcast tell us what you love even tell us what you don't love and you'll still enter to win a free hair analysis from Provo Health and that's it thanks guys we'll catch you next week Thank you for listening to the Gutsy Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from this episode. For more updates, follow us on Instagram at Gutsy Health Podcast. 